This is section 23 of More Newspaper Articles by Mark Twain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Golden Era, September 27, 1863. The Lick House Ball. Read by John Greenman. Editor's Era. I have received a letter from the land of eternal summer, Washoe, you understand, requesting a short synopsis of the San Francisco fashions for reference. There are ten note-paper pages of it. I read it all. For two hours I worked along through it, spelling a word laboriously here and there, figuring out sentences by main strength, getting three or four of them corralled, all ragged and disjointed, and then skirmishing around after the connection, two hours of unflagging labor, determination, and blasphemy, unrewarded by one solitary shadow of suspicion of what the writer was trying to get through her head, or what she could possibly be up to, until I bore down upon the three lines at the bottom of the last page marked P.S., which contained the request about the fashions, and was the only paragraph in the document wherein the light of reason glimmered. All that went before it was driveling stupidity. All that the girl really wished to say was in the postscript. It was not strange that I experienced a warm fellow-feeling for the dog that drank sixty gallons of water to get at a spoonful of mush in the bottom of the tank. The young lady signs herself Enoni. I am not acquainted with her, but the respect, the deference, which, as a white man and a Christian, I naturally feel for members of her sex, impels me to take no less pains in obliging her than were the circumstances different. A fortunate occurrence has placed it in my power to furnish Enoni with the very latest fashions. I refer to the great ball given at the Lick House last Thursday night by a portion of the guests of that hotel, on the occasion of my promising to let up on Messrs. Jerome Rice, John B. Winters, Brooks, Mason, Charlie Creed, Captain Pease, and the other billiard sharps of the establishment. It was a graceful acknowledgment of my proficiency in the beautiful science of billiards, as well as of the liberality I have shown in paying for about every game I ever played in the house. I expect I have been rather hard upon those gentlemen, but it was no fault of mine. They courted their own destruction. As one of them expressed it, they could not resist the temptation to tackle me and if they baited their hooks for a sardine and caught a whale, who is to blame? Possibly it will be a comfort to Captain Pease to know that I don't blame him anyhow, that there is no animosity whatever, and that I feel the same filial affection, the same kindly regard, etc., etc., just as if nothing had happened. Enoni, or unknown if it is all the same to you, the ball was a grand success. The army was present, and also the navy. The nobility were represented by His Grace the Duke of Benicia, the Countess of San Jose, Lord Bless you, Lord Jiminy, and many others whose titles and whose faces have passed from my memory. Owing to a press of imperial business, 
the Emperor Norton was unable to come. The parlors were royally decorated, and the floors covered with a rich white carpet of mauve domestique, forty dollars a yard, imported from Massachusetts, or the Kingdom of New Jersey, I have forgotten which. The moment I entered I saw at a glance that this was the most extraordinary party ever given in San Francisco. I mentioned it to Benish, the very friendly, not to say familiar, relations existing between myself and his Grace the Duke of Benicia, permit of my addressing him in this way without impropriety, and he said he had never seen anything like it where he came from. He said there were more diamonds here than were displayed at the very creditable effort of the Messrs. Baron recently. This remark revived in his breast a reminiscence of that ball. He observed that the evening before it came off he visited all the jewelry shops in town for the purpose of leasing some diamonds for his wife, who had been invited, but others had gone before him and cleaned out, as the facetious nobleman expressed it every establishment there was but one shop where a diamond remained on hand and even there the proprietor was obliged to tell him though it cost him pain to do it that he only had a court left and they had already been engaged by the duchess of goat island who was going to the ball and could not do without them the memory of the incident affected the noble benish almost to tears and we pursued the theme no further after this we relapsed into a desultory conversation in french in which i rather had the best of him he appeared to have an idea that he could cipher out what i was driving at whereas i had never expected to understand him in the first place but you are suffering for the fashions Zinoni. i have written such things before but only by way of burlesquing the newspaper descriptions of balls and dresses launched at the public every now and then by individuals who do not seem to know that writing fashion articles, like wet nursing, can only be done properly by women. A rightly constituted man ought to be above filching from the prerogatives of the other sex. As I have said, the fashion synopses heretofore written by myself have been uncouth burlesques, extravagant paraphrases of the eloquence of female costume, as incomprehensible and as conflicting as Billy Birch's testimony in the case of the atrocious assassination of Erickson's bull by Jonesy, with his infamous stuffed club. But this time, since the lady requests it, I will choke down my distaste for such feminine employment and write a faithful description of the queenly dresses worn at the lick-house party by several ladies whose tempers i think i can depend on thus mrs f f l wore a superb toilette habille of chambery gauze over this a charming figaro jacket made of mohair or horsehair or something of that kind over this again a Raphael blouse of chevaux de la reine, trimmed round the bottom with lozenges formed of insertions, and around the top with bronchial troches. Nothing could be more graceful than the contrast between the lozenges and the troches. Over the blouse she wore a robe de chambre of regal magnificence, made of fay silk, and ornamented with macaroon, usually spelled macaroni buttons 
set in black guipre on the roof of her bonnet was a menagerie of rare and beautiful bugs and reptiles and under the eaves thereof a counterfeit of the early bird whose specialty it hath been to work destruction upon such things since time began to say that mrs l was never more elaborately dressed in her life would be to express an opinion within the range of possibility at least to say that she did or could look otherwise than charming would be a deliberate departure from the truth mrs william m s wore a gorgeous dress of silk bias trimmed with tufts of ponceau feathers in the frondeur style elbowed sleeves made of chicories plated swiss habit shirt composed of valenciennes a la vieille embellished with a delicate nansouk insertion scalloped at the edge langemeau jacket of maize-colored geralda set off with bagnettes bayonets clarinets and one thing or other beautiful rice straw bonnet of michelin tue trimmed with devices cut out of sole leather representing aigrettes and arastras or asters whichever it is leather ornaments are becoming very fashionable in high society i am told the empress eugenie dresses in buckskin now altogether so does her majesty the queen of the shoshones it will be seen at a glance that mrs s's costume upon this occasion was peculiarly suited to the serene dignity of her bearing mrs a w b was arrayed in a sorrel organdie trimmed with fustians and figaros and consu fichu so disposed as to give a splendid effect without disturbing the general harmony of the dress the body of the robe was of zero velvet goffered with a square pelerine of solferino poil de chevre midships the fan used by mrs b was of real palm-leaf and cost four thousand dollars the handle alone cost six bits her headdress was composed of a graceful cataract of white chantilly lace surmounted by a few artificial worms and butterflies and things and a tasteful tarantula done in jet it is impossible to conceive of anything more enchanting than this toilette or the lady who wore it either for that matter mrs j b w was dressed in a rich white satin with a body composed of a gorgeously figured mackinaw blanket with five rows of ornamental brass buttons down the back the dress was looped up at the side with several bows of number three ribbon yellow displaying a skirt of cream-colored valenciennes crocheted with pink crewel the coiffure was simply a tall cone of brilliant field flowers upon the summit of which stood a glittering golden beetle or as we call him at home a straddlebug all who saw the beautiful mrs w upon this occasion will agree that there was nothing wanting about her dress to make it attract attention in any community mrs f was attired in an elegant irish foulard of figured aquamarine or aquafortis or something of that kind with thirty-two perpendicular rows of tulle puffings formed of black zero velvets fahrenheit over this she wore a rich balmoral skirt peking stripe looped up at the sides with clusters of field flowers showing the handsome dress beneath she also wore a white figaro postilion pea-jacket ornamented with a profusion of gabrielle bows of crimson silk 
from her head depended tasteful garlands of fresh radishes it being natural to look charming upon all occasions she did so upon this of course miss b wore an elegant gauffered flounce trimmed with a grenadine of bouillonnet with a crinoline waistcoat to match pardessus open behind embroidered with parametus of passementerie and further ornamented at the shoulders with epaulettes of wheat ears and string beans tulle hat embellished with blue bells hair bells hash bells etc with a frontispiece formed of a single magnificent cauliflower embedded in mashed potatoes thus attired miss b looked good enough to eat i admit that the expression is not very refined but when a man is hungry the similes he uses are apt to be suggested by his stomach it is hardly worth while to describe the costumes of the gentlemen since with the exception of a handsome uniform here and there there were six naval brigadier generals present from the frigate lancaster they were all alike and as usual there was nothing worthy of particular notice in what they wore Inoni, i could furnish you with an accurate description of the costume of every lady who attended that party if it were safe to do it but it isn't you know over in washu i generally say what i please about anybody and everybody because my obliging fellow-citizens have learned to put up with it but here common prudence teaches me to speak of those only who are slow to anger when writing about ladies i had rather lose my scalp anyhow than wound a lady's feelings but there is one thing you can rest assured of Idioni. the pleasantest parties in the world are those given at the lick house every now and then and to which scarcely any save the guests of the establishment are invited and the ladies are handsomer and dress with more taste and greater magnificence but there come the children again when that last invoice of fifteen hundred infants comes around and get to romping about my door with the others and hurrahing for their several favorite candidates for governor unaware that the election is over poor little miscreants i cannot write with such serene comfort as i do when they are asleep yet there is nothing i love so dearly as a clean fat healthy infant i calculate to eat that whole tribe before i leave the lickhouse now do you know enoni uh, however i hear the stately tread of that inveterate chambermaid she always finds this room in a state of chaos and she always leaves it as trim as a parlor but her instincts infallibly impel her to march in here just when i feel least like marching out i do not know that i have ever begged permission to write only a few moments longer never with my tongue at any rate although i may have looked it with my expressive glass eye but she cares nothing for such spoony prayers she is a soldier in the army of the household she knows her duty and she allows nothing to interfere with its rigid performance she reminds me of u s grant she marches in her grand military way to the centre of the room and comes to an order arms with her broom and her slop bucket then she bends on me a look of uncompromising determination and i reluctantly haul down my flag i abandon my position i evacuate the premises i retire in good order 
I vamoose the ranch. Because that look of hers says in plain, crisp language, I don't want you here. If you are not gone in two minutes, I propose to move upon your works. But I bear the chambermaid no animosity. End of The Golden Era, September 27, 1863 The Lick House Ball Read by John Greenman